G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are John, Liam and Shane. How are you Liam? Liam, Liam, Liam does want to talk about it. Liam's internet is playing up so how are you Johnny? <laughs> I'm good Jared, I'm good. Yes, as you can probably hear I'm still a little bit crook um, which is very irritating that's two weeks now but all good up here. Went to um, went to Byron Bay um, last weekend, catch some rays. Haven't been there in twelve years, and it's um, almost exactly the same, which is quite nice in a way. But yeah, I'm good. Still sunny up here. How are you, Shane? Yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, just uh, haven't been up to much in the last little bit since we uh, since we we're on together. But I have started to get into a little bit of. Um, coffee if that makes any sense so i'm starting to get into sort of making coffee a little bit i'm, I'm starting old school at the moment uh i bought a french press uh late last week and sort of getting used to that and uh the mocha pot's going to be next so um look i'm drinking a fair bit of coffee so if i'm a bit jittery during uh during the pod you'll know why Come on, Shane. That should have been your excuse last week. You know, going off script. <laughs> Come on, the coffee. There you go. No, good mate. Well, um, yeah. Now we know if you start just wandering off on all sorts of tangents, it's not Shane. It's the coffee. How are you, Liam? Is your internet working now? Well, we'll we'll see. Um, suspiciously, I told my provider that I was cancelling the current deal at the end of the month because I'm moving house in two weeks, and. Uh, the internet was a bit dodgy last night when I was doing another when I was doing my Axom show, and uh, it's been a bit dodgy tonight. So, uh, if you hear about a middle manager at SoftBank Corporation getting booted in the balls in the papers tomorrow, you know who done it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we'll um, we'll start off the show with um, I'll start off by saying first of all, thanks to everyone tuning in as usual. We really appreciate it, not just tuning in tonight, but also on the Monday, the weekend review. Tuesdays, the Tuesday crew show, and then also the Wednesday pot noodle. We really appreciate it. Seeing some good growth on the channel. So long may it continue. I hope everyone's enjoying all the shows. Just want to send to a message to all the uh, women Celtic supporters out there. Happy International Women's Day today. Um, hope hope you all have a uh, great day and, you know, Celtic get a win for you tonight as well. So, um, yeah, we'll... Uh, Crack on with the podcast. So, Celtic 5, St Mirren 1 on the weekend. We don't need to go into too much depth. The weekend review covered all of that. Um, yeah, really good detail. If you haven't watched that show, check it out. It's on the YouTube channel. It's on the podcast channel. You can find it all there. Um, yeah, for me, it's a game of two halves. The The penalty was uh, a bit of a doozy, to be honest with you. Um I'm sure we'll dig into that a little detail, a bit more detail there. But second half, yeah, nice, nice halftime sub, and then we just got on with it. So we'll throw to you, Shane. First half, what was your take on that? I noted you said first half there, so I'm going to try and follow this week and, <laughs> and not not run away on a different tangent. Um, it was interesting. Like um, St Mirren's caused us a little bit of trouble in the past, so. I was curious, uh, particularly, and we hadn't had a positive result. Um, I don't know the name of the arena at the moment, but New St. Mirren Park uh, since Ange took over. So it was always going to be interesting to see how things panned out. And, um, you know, very early on, they go 1-0 up through a penalty, which I don't want to sound like I've got green-tinted specs on, but I thought it was a little bit harsh. But anyway, and, you know, once that happened, they set up 
pretty pretty defensively, as we've seen. Um, I think them going up pretty early meant that um, any chance of them pushing out was pretty much reduced and they were sort of just in basically contain mode and did everything they could to stop us. I don't think we played particularly poorly. I think that's a bit unfair, but it just... It just wasn't clicking, particularly in that final third. We just we weren't getting into good areas. We weren't getting players in behind, putting a lot of balls into the box to Maeda and Kyogo to try and win headers, which was just going to be um, an in, a bit of an impossible task for them against their centre-halves. And, you know, we, like I said, we weren't too bad, but it just wasn't gelling for us. Um, you know, even our midfielders, you know, a couple of cracking shots at Hatate, cracking shot... Uh, um, aside, even our midfielders weren't able to exert the influence they usually did. So, but I think just before halftime, the big, the big factor in the game, there's a few of them, but I think just before halftime, that red card was pretty crucial. I, I always thought it was going to be difficult for them to hang on um, for the 90 minutes uh, with 11 men, but to go down to 10, um, I thought signaled um, that they were probably going to really struggle to hold us off in that second half. Yeah, it's something you said about the penalty there, Shane. Like, when it happened, I was like, how did we get away with that? And then you see the replay, <laughs> and it's like his arm's already out, and they flicked it up into his arm. So you're like, okay, I can see why, because he didn't unnecessarily make himself bigger or move or anything. So the initial impact of the penalty I thought was okay. And then when you see the replay again and the second time, so it hits him in the bicep, and as the ball's dropping, his arm's moving forward. And he's bumped it a second time. I'm like, yeah, they're going to sting us on that second one. We never get any of those calls. So I was just waiting for it. And then sure enough, old mate Dallas, you know, VAR box at the Orange Lodge was uh, <laughs> sent, sent the, the ref over to the old uh, the VAR screen. And then it was only ever going to end up one way. But, yeah, as you said, like a lot of the um, half, we weren't playing too poorly. It's just our standards. I think it was maybe like a 5% dip on usual. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's always tough playing. And Andrew's said it in the uh, comments here as well that a tight ground suits their defensive block. So, yeah, it was always going to be hard to break down, especially them getting that first goal. But, yeah, we, we, we grounded out. So, John, what was your take on the first half? Um, well, so I had just come back from the beach. So I was a little bit sun-dazed. As, as you can imagine, um, being English and sitting in the sun all day. So the second I opened up my laptop screen, it was um, sheer panic, if I'm honest, um, because I saw the grey strip and I thought, well, that's that. That's cursed. We've done it. Here we go. Um, and the second that they scored with a penalty, I just thought, this is going to be one of those games. That's just that's it now. They've got, we're, we were struggling um as Shane was was talking about, you know, we, we, we had a couple of chances, but we just we was proper proper struggling to get like a really good um big chance. Um so it was it was just I just thought, you know, I already had it in my head. I had those little stories, boys, you know, oh we we lose some, but we win most. Don't panic. It's just you know this is all I'm thinking about in the first half and you know what I'm gonna say today. Like and yeah, I, I if I'm gonna be honest, I, I personally think the penalty was fair. I I think the way that the rule is currently applied that's it's always going to be a penalty whether you mean to make yourself bigger or not i think if the ball hits your arm in in the penalty box the way that it's where that all refs are giving it now is it's a penalty no matter what there's no all of this stuff about they talk about oh, making yourself bigger and the shadow or the outline of a the person they never apply it like that that's what they say but it's never like that there's no 
you can you can clearly see that all Greg Taylor's doing is actually just adjusting his body weight, and that's what moves his arm. He's not actually consciously making an effort to make himself bigger, which is what you would assume putting your hand out and having a handball is all about. So I personally think that, that was it was always going to be a penny. So you just hey, Todd, I have a question for you then. I agree with what you're saying because that's the way the refs are calling it. But does that mean what? We have to now start signing defenders with no arms? It's bizarre, right? It's, it's, it's utterly it's mental. Like it's not like he's in an unnatural position. That's what I yeah. find ridiculous. It's like, what's he supposed to do? His arm was already there before the guy even got boot, boot the ball on the ground. Pops a ball yeah. up into his arm. What's he supposed to do? Just cut his arm off? It's just a silly interpretation. I remember, I remember there was a very brief time in English football. I think like Rio Ferdinand, I think, are on and all that lot are on Sky. It might be BT. But they were all talking about like the early days of VR, right? This was early days of VR. Oh, it's all about biomechanics, right? How does your body naturally move when you run about and you move, you know, you, you go to defend it. And they were all talking about like the, the natural movements are excluded from a handball rule, right? Because, you know, you, you can't be expected. And, and we've kind of applied that in the sense that if you're going to hold your weight, like if you're falling to the ground and you put your arms out to hold your body up and the ball hits your hand, that's not a handball, right? So it's kind of, we kind of do that. But any other situation, like if you go to jump, you need to swing your arms, right? And But if that hits your arm in the box, then it's a penalty no matter what, right? So all of that stuff, they, it was very briefly talked about and then we just binned it because basically refs aren't sports scientists and they have no idea how to apply that type of rule. So they just went with nah. If it hits your arm, if it hits your, if it hits your, arm, your hand in the box, it's a penalty, night and day. So, I mean, that you see this, right? You see this with like... Um, you see this with yeah the comment there with the <laughs> Andrew about Golson yeah absolutely, um, but you see a lot of defenders now putting their arms behind their behind their back right because they don't want to give away a penalty which is a huge disadvantage to a defending team because you because you, you're going to run into the uh, any attacker is going to run into the box and just try and pelt it at the defenders and hopefully get a penalty because VAR is going to give it to you no matter what so also I mean, by a mechanical thing John you use your arms to get more height and power and you jump to be able to get up the headers so that if you're going to have your arms behind you, then, you know. How are you going to do that? So This is it. So, I mean, look, these these are, I, I think that's why the way that the rules currently sit and the way that sort of the precedence is, it was, I, I had no issues with the with the decision personally. Um, I just thought it was going to be one of those games, the first half, where we get given a really unlucky penalty. Um, they were defending uh, with all they had and we just weren't, we weren't creating big chances to get a goal, and I just thought that's it. We were gonna we were gonna lose again to St. Mirren, but I guess we'll talk about second half next. Liam, have you got anything, Dad? Well, you know, just interesting to hear John talking about biomechanics. So apparently, they had a seminar last year with the referees and tried to explain it. And John Beaton thought that biomechanics were the guys that built Robocop. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. <laughs> on the Spitty's drink out there. <laughs> Just as I had it in my mouth as well, clearing my throat, and he's got to go, go and make a joke like that. Great. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, no, it's got a couple of comments here. So, like, Andrew Galea, I thought we were always in control. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. And Michael Ross responded, it was never in doubt. So, a couple of comments there. Um, Michael Ross commented, we face a parked bus most weeks and it never works for the opposition. That's something that we did notice in the start. So we'll jump into the second half here, but that's something I noticed was that once we got that early goal, then it suddenly opened things right up and um, yeah, they had to come out and play a little bit. 
which then led to us getting five goals in 25 minutes of playing time. So shows just the, the gears we could go up. But Shane, second half, what's your overall take on it? Really positive. Um, you know, the, the Monday review guys reeled off the stats. They'd, St. Mirren had only conceded nine goals at home all season uh, up until we put five past them in 45 minutes. Um, that's pretty remarkable. We know how tough they can be defensively. And I know that they obviously had a little bit of, I guess you'd call it a disadvantage being down to 10 men. But, you know, the way that the game opened up for us and how clinical we were, which we've commented previously, that sometimes we're not as clinical as we should be, um, was just very impressive to watch. And I think a big part of that were the changing or the changes changes to the wingers, sorry, at half time. So unfortunately, Maeda wasn't having the best of games. He went off. Jota moved to the left and, and looked more dangerous and more threatening, particularly cutting inside. Um, and then you had a barter on the right who's been in tremendous form and just brings uh, a vibrancy and directness, which uh, for whatever reason, um, the St. Mirren defenders just couldn't handle. And all of a sudden, the wheel started to turn. We started to get into those good areas. Um, you know, uh, we started to, to get into those little channels. So we started to see Moy in particular get on the ball and then start to create and then get into those little channels. And And I agree with you, the goals were pretty important. I think getting two goals in very quick success, uh, succession, sorry, forced them to then abandon and come out. And with those 10 men in that space, that really, we were able to exploit the space that was left behind and, and um, you know, really put on the style in the end. It was very impressive. Um, I, I think we should be, when we're looking back at really good performances this season, I think this 45, we should flag as, as in a really positive light. Yeah, so with the... What you were saying there, Shane, about the halftime sub, like, Maid has been in the form of his life at Celtic since the World Cup. So this, so it was due to have a bit of a dip there. When they're sitting back as deep as they are, Maida's pace and his work rate, I think, benefits us more if it's a team that's coming out and having a go at us. But when you're playing against, like, two two blocks of, like, what, five at that point, sitting there in front of you, not really letting you get in... The problem that we found and where the adjustment I noticed in the second half was once you had um, Abada come onto the right, you had Jota on the left, those two playing as inverted wingers coming back inside, yep. it allowed Johnson and it allowed Taylor to get up and bomb outside. So we're actually getting that overlap and we're getting to the byline. And then we had an extra target with them cutting inside to pass too. So it kind of overwhelmed their defense in the box a bit more. So I think that's more what, the improvement was it just kind of balanced the attack a little more because of the way they were defending us. I think once we had that second goal at that point and things had opened up, Maida would have turned around and had a better a better chance or had a better game in the last half hour of the match. But up until that point, it just he had to be the sacrificial lamb basically to give us the give us the space that our wingers and fullbacks needed to actually go and make it happen and you know make things open up the space a bit more, for, as you're saying, for Moy to come into it, for McGregor to get on the ball a bit more, for Atate and so on. So, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. To, it was interesting to see the way it all worked. Five different goal scorers, happy to see that. Uh, O's penalty. Oh, some people like <laughs> Some of the comments, like seriously, it, it, let's just say it wasn't very pretty, but it was effective. 
That was very pretty. He did a little skip and everything. <laughs> but yeah, it's like overall, overall, I think yeah, there's, there's we could go on and on and cover it off, but just great. Look, overall, the standard of play in the second half was good to see. Yes, we were playing against ten men, but that's not our fault that their defender, you know, did some stupid shit at the end of the first half. So, throw to you, Liam. What was your take on the second half? Yeah, I, I think it was actually quite a similar um, set up to the, you know, in the terms of like looking back on the cup final the week before, we showed a lot of character in the second half to kind of ride out the, you know, ride out the result. Whereas we showed a different type of character this weekend because we, we didn't let the deficit get us down and we came back and we turned it over. And I think that, yeah, the performance was brilliant in the second half, but I think a lot, not a lot has been said about the mental strength Celtic showed. And they've shown it two games in a row now, where times we've been up against it and they've got their heads down and they've got the job done. And against two very different types of teams. Um, but we have done very well in both games and come out with two great results. And I really think that more needs to be said about the mental toughness of this team as much as their ability. Because, you know, there have been previous times at Celtic where heads would have gone down if we were getting beat. Especially at St Martin where we've historically had a wee, had, had blips now and again. Um, I think that, you know, we always... Ange has the players with the ability and now we can see that, they also, that, that the same players also have the mental stamina as well. And Johnny, we'll throw to you to uh, wrap up the second half. Well, I mean, obviously, I was elated that the goals just started coming. Um, I thought, um, I thought Abada was quite instrumental in 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 our second half performance. But I also think that I don't know, like it, the first half, the pass and then stuff, and just it was very lethargic. And then something's happened in the dressing room. Somebody they've all had a bollocking, or they've just all been reminded of what they're you know, respons- like collective responsibilities are. So like keeping up the intensity, quick passing, always moving, which we were getting none of that in the first half. So it's, it was just a really, I think just a complete mentality change, as Liam was saying. It was just, all right, fine. We we, we screwed up in the first half, therefore we change. And, and it was just comp- a complete night and day. So, um, which is what a champion um, team does, right? That's, that's what, if you don't do that, you lose the game or you draw the game and you drop points. So, um, it was it's fantastic team mentality to be able to do that. Um, I think just talking on Abada, I think uh, his performances have been great recently. Uh, I think he really did well in St. Mirren game. I think uh, some of the stuff recently with his contract, I think it's probably more just down to he's probably seeing that trajectory where he played in the, the, the St. Mirren game to, be, to continue. So he's not going to extend a contract at probably a less wage, but he could probably get more when he's continuing that type of performance, which I think that's what I interpret it as. So um, I think that's really positive. I think, um, I think O was good when he came on. I think he did everything that you kind of wanted out of your, your front man. Um, I mean, like he was, especially the getting the penalty and stuff, like he beat his defender and, and, you know, and he got his shirt pulled down and therefore that was always going to be a penalty, but that's what you wanted. You wanted to make those types of runs. So uh, yeah, I think overall um, it was just fantastic to see us just, Switch gears. I don't think necessarily that going down to 10 men did much in terms of how they set themselves up and stuff. I think they just were always going to defend like crazy anyway. 
Um, just, you know, obviously, as we've discussed, to the point where they had to come out. Um, a, probably a bit of psychological damage, though. They probably thought, oh, Christ, we've gone we've gone down to 10 against Celtic. So there was probably a bit of that going on. But we just turned the screw and it was it was... It, it almost just became expected. The the way that we were playing, it was just like, oh, of course we were going to score five at this point. Like it was just there was I, I never really expected anything differently. And you could even hear that from the crowd, right? They were just it wasn't like elation types of cheers. It was just like almost this just sounds a bit arrogant, but like God given cheers, right? It was like, yay, and there's the next one sort of stuff, and um, which is great. It's great. It's good to hear. It's good to see. Um, so uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really good second half, and it was. A, Overall, a fantastic performance. So more of it, right, especially so in the next game. Hundred percent, mate. So what we'll do is we'll I'll go through a couple of comments here. So Angelo Tyro saying we could get ten mil for a barter in the summer. Which leg is that, Angelo? I'd like to know. <laughs> Form his in, and the fact that it's the um the, the all the rumours and everything ever since we've signed him has been the Saudi oil money at Newcastle coming in for him. They can afford to pay a lot more than ten million pound for him. Uh, yeah. Vanessa, That's just a loan deal. Yep. <laughs> Vanessa O still looks a bit raw, and Michael Ross is still to be convinced by O. Look, it's early days for him. He's only early on. What is he like? Twenty years old or something like that. So he's young, a young striker coming to another country on the other side of the world, got to learn the language, pick up a whole new system. All are going to cast your mind back to last season and everyone talking at this, like going into the second half of the season about is Jack Amakis going to be able to cover for Kyogo? That's all I want to remind everyone of. Everyone had their doubts. Everyone was saying, oh, he's a bit awkward. He doesn't suit the way Ange's team plays. And then he went on to make those comments and become a, a bit of a hero in the terraces. So we've got to give our players time, especially when they're a new signing and they're so young. I'm seeing enough there to, uh, you know, to be happy with that. And Michael Ross has got a comment here, which I want to tie into the uh, the kits. So all the talk was on, no, those great kits. But after that comeback result, I'm thinking, those kits look a lot nicer to now I've actually said that I'd actually contemplate buying one now. And before that, at half, if you ask me at half time on um, on the weekend, no chance. So, but yeah, Michael's comment was: I always presumed a, a change of kit was due to a clash of kits, but how does the all black kit of St Mirren clash with our famous hoops? Says a lot about the ref's eyesight. So, can't they can't wear the hoops. Make, they can't make if they if they have to change their kit. We can't be allowed to wear our home. Yeah, that's mm. pretty much it. They've got to wear in a way we have to wear an alternate as well. That's pretty much what it is. We can't wear our home one there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's where we sit with that. Could you could you imagine just... the situation if they actually had to had, they had to be the only one to change kits and we we wandered out in the hoops? Like it just yeah. would have been free for all. But yeah. Um, yeah. I agree with you on the grey kit. Um, it's a beautiful looking kit. I've never had a problem with it. Absolutely magnificent. I've already got one on order. Looking forward to wearing it on one of the upcoming pods. What, I'll just refrain from it. saying my comment then because you could have quite like it. I'll just say it. Just say it. We're all friends here, John. Come on. Absolutely bogging. <laughs> it needs to be put in a bin and forgotten about, like the bloody pink one as well. That just needs to be done. 
I'm not saying that I I'm I'm not saying that I bought it off of a knockoff Chinese site, but <laughs> I'm glad I didn't pay full price for it. Put it that way. <sighs> the Celtic shop. <laughs> yeah, the, the yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shanghai branch. Market. <laughs> All right. So next topic conversation was announced pretty much almost a week ago now that uh, Mikey Johnson is choosing the plays in national football for the Republic of Ireland instead of Scotland. So once it's official, cue the hysteria. If he wasn't on loan and out of the country at the moment, oh, he'd be copping it by, by a certain fan base. So, um, yeah, like good on him. If he's not going to get a chance at for the Scottish team, you have a look at the amount of Scotland, Scottish guys who are in the Australian national team as well. Doing well, like your Boyles, your Suda, uh, Cummings, those sort of guys. There's a, there's a lot of them there. There's talent, but they're clearly not breaking through into the Scottish squad. So, yeah, if his grandparents mean that he can play for Ireland, well, off you go. Go and do something. Play some international football. Hmm. Yeah, good That's luck it. to him. Yep. If he, he's, he's clearly not going to get in the Scotland side. So, he, and he wants to play international football, so... Is is what are we are we having the conversation that he's not Irish? He clearly is. He's got Irish heritage, right? That's he's. What do you want to do? Like we can do DNA tests for every player to make sure they're a hundred percent Irish or hundred percent Scottish. So it's a nonsense. He can play for whoever he wants. Yeah, I just look at it and go, well, yeah, Australia has got that do the same. Mm. We've got Scottish guys. Scotland's got an Australian guy in Lyndon Dykes. So it, it all plays out at the end of the day, like. Yep. If he's not going to get a game for Scotland and, you know, he's got the Irish manager trapping at the door saying, hey, come over here, we want to get a look at you and try and give you a chance. Well, what's the worst that can happen? Like, he's not going to cop it the same way. We've got a guy at our at our club at the moment who did the same thing in James McCarthy. So mm, yeah. we, can't, yeah. we can't judge the guy. We've, already, we've got one in the building at the moment and another one of ours on loan doing it, so... And go. let's not let's not get super political, right? But see if he was black and he was playing for, and he decided and he was born in England or somewhere in London and he decided to play for Cameroon or Senegal or Nigeria. Nobody would be having this conversation. Nobody would be slagging him because he's not quote unquote Irish. You know what I mean? It's just one of those dead weird things that we do to each other. If there's any other ethnicity, it'd be fine. I was just going to say, Stephen Kenny's really building something uh, at Ireland at the moment as well. Um, you know, they haven't had the best of runs, but towards the, the last competition they had, he started to get the best out of them. He's kind of come in and done a little bit of an overhaul from what I can tell and brought in a lot of younger players trying to bring that next generation up. And he clearly sees Mikey as being a, potentially a big part of that. And uh, I think they're onto something pretty exciting under Stephen Kenny's um uh, stewardship. So, um, you know, credit to him and, and good luck to Mikey. Hopefully he can break in and play some international football. Agreed. That's it all. Yeah. So, comment here from Angelo Tyra I'll bring up as a little quick chit-chat thing before we jump into the next thing, which I was hoping you'd be on, Liam, so we could discuss this. But before we get to that, Angelo's comment, great news on Reddit. Scottish International of 22 matches. Lee Griffiths back for a full season with Mandra. Excellent. Uh, Excellent news. Good luck, Tim. Good to see he's going to get a chance over here. If he does well for a whole season, banging in the goals at that level, which he should do at that level, then let's see. 
how long it takes for an A-League club to come knocking at the door and looking at him. But, yeah, it's not a it's not a great level, but, yeah, good on him. I just want him to play some football, and he seemed happy when he was over here. So, yeah, happy would days. He be, would he be on a bit? Would he be? Would his salary be okay? I don't, I don't really know what the what's, – what's the league underneath the A-League called? What's the, the NPL. NPL is he? Would they be on a, a decent salary yeah. on the NPL? Is it, is it I'm not even it? sure they're NPL. I think they might be lower than NPL, aren't they? Uh, I think they were third tier. Yeah, yeah. So oh, they're right. not even they're not even the, the, the rung below the A League technically. So I, I, to, an, to answer your question, I'm not too sure how much of a wicket he'd be on. To be honest, Johnny um, mm. might be just doing it purely out of goodwill. Uh well, I mean, yeah, I don't know if. I, Goodwill might be it might be a, might be a bit far, but um, it, it 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 he's clearly if he's playing at that level and he's probably not on heaps, it'll be because he's got some sort of faith that he'll play well enough that an A League team will take a punt on him. But it, it, it's an awful shame, isn't it? To be honest, for him to have to resort to that, I guess. Like it's he's he's burnt all his bridges, I guess. Yeah, well, just sometimes you've got to do so. some hard work to rebuild them, right? And so that the yeah. hard work starts now, I guess. That's it. Division one champions. Yeah, they missed out on the inaugural few years of the WA NPL. And State League One for the twenty twenty two season just gone. Under head coach John Baird, who played for Falkirk, Wraith Rovers, St. Mary and Queen of the South back in the day. So that's the tie in. Oh, that's the connection. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we'll see how they end up. But, yeah, I think they might still be in that league by the looks of things. Well, hopefully he does good enough that he can get to a level that he deserves because, you know, uh, as as however you feel about anything, he is not convicted of a, of a thing. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. So although his behaviour was unacceptable, um, he, he shouldn't have to... Suffer his entire career, or the, or at least a good portion of it, for an accusations, effectively, because that's what they were. They still are, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he can get to a level, and then he can just, you know, get paid well and just be quietly, you know, not have to. I don't know if that's what <laughs> I don't know if Griff's got that in him to be quiet and just play football, and and so, but uh, yeah, best of luck to him, I guess. Here we go. So we've got some comments here. So Vanessa, surely an A-League club will pick him up. Angelo was is eyeing a, the new National Second Division next season. So that comes in a little bit after that. Edward Wyavoz is, is playing on the condition he doesn't use Snapchat. That ties in what you were just saying, John. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Michael Ross, amazed an A-League club won't take a pun on him. Damien Gallagher, he was the architect to his own downfall. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, that's just that's it. where I sit on it. I would say that if it's complicated by mental illness, it's not as clear cut as that. Yep. Yeah, oh, Lee, yeah. And then Angelo sure. Lee is not guilty and is popular in Mandra, which is correct. But I think so, I think the, the the thing is, Liam, it's it's he has to take personal accountability of, of what he did. So although mental, oh, absolutely, been, I, absolutely, yeah, it, um, it, it I, might have been a cause, but yeah, he still he still did it right. So he still did the. Let's just call it right, you know, look, look at the end of the day, if, if you if you act like that, you can't just turn around and say, oh, well, I'm on whatever tablets and that's an excuse. It isn't. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying that if we look at the wider picture of what Griffiths has been through and what he's doing and whatever, 
mental health's an aspect to that that doesn't get talked about often enough, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he's about as dependable as my internet connection at the moment, but, you know, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's saying a lot of your internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Liam. Mm. Um, Why okay. I'm here? Before, before I'm here. I have to bring up this comment here. Yeah. Damien, fair point, Liam. Edward Y of Oz have to. <laughs> We should call Cumdog for advice. Cum I just dog. had to bring it up because of that shocking nickname. Who's Cumdog? Jason Cummins. Cummings. Jason Cummings, yeah. That's what he was. There not a self appointed oh nickname God. he gave himself? Yeah. Cum he dog? he yeah. scrolled at him uh, across his chest when he was doing like wrestling or whatever. Yeah. Christ Great. All right, that, so Liam. That, that sounds like something you'd see in a disgusting Japanese adult movie, but let's, let's not go there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to tie into the next topic really well. Uh, we'll, 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 just go f- and we'll lose a bunch of subscribers from that comment. So thanks, mate. Uh, nah, anyway. Um, uh, so, Liam, Japanese. This, this, yeah, this is, this is right. something I've been wanting to do for a couple of weeks, but I've been like, wait and get you back on here. Yeah. So do you think that the impressive form and the ability of Celtics recruits from Japan – have alerted bigger clubs to the untapped potential in that region in the of the transfer market. The reason I'm thinking that is because if we've got six Japanese guys on the books, you've got Kyogo, Maeda, Atade all doing well. Kobayashi's looked the part when he's played. Awada's looked good when he's been on. So there's five guys who are at a quality level. Mm. And we know J- the um, German clubs have looked in Japan in the past as well. Do you think that the form of those guys doing it in Scotland and then also at international level and they get their chance and then looking at Europe next year as well. Do you think if that all happens and it goes well, we're going to be exposing it, this great marketplace that we've got inside it. We've got the inside running on to the teams down South and particularly in England. What do you think? Right. Okay. Before I get cut off, I better make this quick. Um, I, uh, I think that the problem with the English league in particular is that they do have a certain arrogance when it comes to where they get the players from. There is this perception, and it's starting to be overcome. You look at guys like Mitoma and um, uh, what was his name? Um, the one at Leicester a few years ago. Um, oh, the striker. I can't remember his name. Shibasaki or something. Anyway, um, Okazaki. That was it, Okazaki. Um, so, you know, there are some Japanese players starting to make the breakthrough in England, but I do think that a lot of fans of these bigger English clubs still think that if you're not signing a guy out of like the top five leagues in Europe, he's a dud. Um, Germany has been aware of the Japanese league for years, and the amount of Korean Japanese play- and Japanese players who have been doing well in the Bundesliga kind of speaks for itself. Italy have been on to it for a long time. Nagatomo spent a large part of his career at Inter. Uh, we signed Nakamura from Italy. Um, you know, that goes back to, that goes right back to Hide Nakata in the early 2000s, going to play for Perugia um, and then Roma. Um, so clearly they are aware of it. Spain, you know, Kubo was signed by Real Madrid, is now playing for, I think, Real Sociedad. Um so, you know, 
these other countries are aware of it. Um, the difference is we, through Ange and through our connections with Citigroup, etc., etc., we have a direct line into there that a lot of these clubs don't. I mean, a theory I have, one of the reasons why I think like, there's this proposed four-team tournament in Japan in the summer, if you look at the clubs that are potentially involved, PSG, Bayern, um, and who was the other one? Hey. What's up, Barca? And Liam is frozen. Mm. There goes his internet again. He's... Hang on. All right, so as I was saying, all those clubs are trying to build a profile in in uh, in Japan, and so they are hoping to emulate what Celtic have done. Because um, you know we're starting to see Celtic tops in the shops over here now. People are starting to talk about Celtic in the same breath as teams like Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, whatever. Barcelona, Real Madrid still have huge fan bases over here. Celtic are getting a cut of that now, and teams like Bayern in particular, despite being a huge club in European terms, don't get that much exposure over here. So I think, you know, this is as much to benefit them as it is to benefit Celtic. Fair enough. Now, Shane, you got how... any thoughts? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, on you go, Liam. On you go, Liam. No, uh, no I was just going to say, I hope all that came through, because I realised I had to bloody reset the router mid- <laughs> midstream. So it was it did. seamless. Okay. It was seamless. Um, <laughs> you literally picked up from where you left off. <laughs> you did. Uh, it was great. Seamless. So is the shoe that I'm going to go and insert in my internet provider when the show's <laughs> over. Um, all right. <laughs> Uh, I think Liam hit the nail on the head for me. Uh, I think there's a little bit of an arrogance there that sometimes if you're not signed from a certain league, you're not really considered. And uh, until that kind of goes over a little bit, um, I don't really see down south really picking up on it. I think what we've done at Celtic has probably shone a light on it a little bit more. Maybe people will have second thoughts instead of maybe being instantly dismissive. But um yeah, I, I'm not 100% convinced it'll uh, it'll lead to sort of the clubs down south immediately signing players from Korea and Japan. And, and they really should look at it because they are two very good, very competitive, uh, very challenging leagues. And if you are a good player in either the K-League or, a J, or the J-League, you are a decent player who should uh, get a crack at a high level. Okay, Shane, I'm going to stop you there for a simple reason. You being the Mad Socceroos fan that you are, you're not going to want all those players from those leagues playing in the hot <laughs> five leagues of Europe because it's going to make it a tougher job for the Australian players in the future. I just thought I'd, I'd you know, I'll throw that one back at you. But no, I agree with what you're saying there. It's um, <laughs> I just wanted to stay and see your reaction. But no, it's um, it's good in a way though because I look at it and go the Japanese is a lot there, but. I look back to when Ange first come in and with Kyogo and people like, oh, they spent four and a half million pound on a striker and look how small he is. And all the talk was he's gonna, he's not going to survive in Scotland and then you look how well he's played. Then you bring in Atate, Maeda, they've come in and done well. And then all the, just the flow on us just kept going. So as a support, when Ange first came in and then big money was spent on Kyogo, there was doubts there. I'm not saying for me, I'm just saying in general, the talk mm. – Overall, if you looked on Twitter, if you looked on the Facebook groups, people were doubting it. So, Ange has proven and he's got that track record. And as Liam said, like we've got that inside track there. So, if there's players over there and they're getting linked with, oh, we could go to Schalke, we could go to 
wherever, or we could go to, say, Southampton, or we could go to Everton, and you're going to be the only Japanese player there, are they really going to want to go to there, or are they going to want to come to a club like Celtic, which has got the translator who's got who's got his own um, Wikipedia page on Celtic Wiki last time I looked. We've got the translator. We've got all the other guys there to help him settle in. It's going to be one of those things where I look at it and go, it's going to make that, as you, you've mentioned in the past, Liam, about um, what was it when you first moved somewhere and then after six weeks um, you, you kind of lose the, like you feel it, you struggle I a bit. The, the culture shock kicks in, yeah. That's the one, the culture shock. So at least we'll help manage that and get guys settled in better than what's what would happen if you were the only guy at your club from that, that neck of the woods. So we'll bring up some comments here. And um, so Michael Ross, Japan has always produced great players, many playing in Italy exactly. and Germany. Andrew Galea, the J League is a fantastic league, plenty of talent. Yeah, Sean, the goalkeepers. <laughs> Sean has commented something that I think as well. How, how much of these other leagues being onto it was down to work permits? Before Brexit happened, we couldn't get these players in because of work permits. So... Could that be a factor? Well, Germany and Italy found a way to make it happen. And uh, last time I checked, the Italian government weren't too keen on immigrants either, but they found a way to make it happen. Well, they're okay with the immigrants that make them heap the money in tax, obviously. That's the, in, in you come, <laughs> quickly. It's the yeah, ones that are desperate I mean, for houses and food. That's the ones that can't be asked. I'm speaking, for, I'm speaking from Japan, the country that accepted one asylum seeker last year, so I better, I better keep my mouth <laughs> shut. Yeah. I'm going to lay him. All right, so we've got some. We've got a question here for Michael Ross. Now, that ties in because Peter Caliero has come up here saying, Chabam Khan played in Germany in the 80s. Great. And great then name. Michael's comment is, my question of the day, can I ask the panel what's the rudest player name they have heard? <laughs> so let's think on that and we'll hold that off till later on. And Angelo's <laughs> I've got a comment. couple of those actually. <laughs> and then Angelo goes, Jared is controversial individual. Um, <laughs> please, please reply. I'd love to know. But yeah, all, so all, all um, feedback is worthy. Yep. <laughs> you got any got any names there you just want to do? Off the top of your heads, oh, or you want to hold or just let him do a couple I've, and we'll just leave there. I mean Cummins was always obviously yeah. that was a good <laughs> one. Yeah. Right. The, like, the, those two... If we're not talking footballers, I've got a couple of doozies from, from work because I work in international freight. So I've got a couple of doozies from there. <laughs> but if we're talking football only, we'll let Liam run with that. Well, actually, talked about freight. I'll give you one from, from, from my time in Hong Kong. It's not there anymore, but the address of the YMCA in Hong Kong used to be number 10, and I will just spell this name. I won't say it. M-A-N space F-U-K road. <laughs> so I'll let you work that one out. <laughs> the YMCA of all places. It's often like um, this person I deal with on the daily at work, and his oh, name is Dicklick. Dicklick. <laughs> In India, so D I K L I K. There you go. So yeah. you can do that one or the super yeah. porn. That's always a good one in Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's go on back to your um. What was that right? Sorry. 
Is that a name? Yeah, super porn. Right. What's the name of your child that? Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, so there were, there, were, there were two that kind of really hit the headlines in Japan. Um, years ago, I was watching a game between uh, Japan and Nigeria under-19s. And I noticed that every time the Nigeria number nine got the ball, um, the Japanese commentators were kind of giggling and they would just say number nine. They wouldn't say his name. So I got the phone and I looked up the teams and it turns out the guy's name was Bakayaro, which apparently is quite a common name in Nigeria. Uh, but to be uh, to be blunt, the most direct translation of Japanese would be stupid. And I'll leave it there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. And there was also a guy who played for PSV Eindhoven who was set to move to the J-League, but the deal fell through when they found out what his name was. Um, his name was, uh, I think, no, he's a, he's a Peruvian, I believe. His name was Raymond Manco. Now, for anybody who speaks Japanese, I apologize sincerely for just using that word there. Um, again, the closest English word would be Oh, I've just been cut off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the suspense. That is not fair. <laughs> what does it mean? Did, did YouTube just cut me off now when I was in the middle of explaining that? Oh, my God. Right. right. Anyway, his name is Raymond Manko. And in Japanese, that basically means the 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 c word and i don't mean communist okay um yeah Yeah. (laughs) comrades there we go all good yeah all right so what we'll do is we'll we'll leave that stuff there um there you go yoshi takashita There you go. That's a good Japanese. That's not one. a real person, surely. All right. So we play Hearts tonight, basically Wednesday night in Scotland, Thursday morning over here in Australia. In what's it in the league? Yep, at Celtic Park. So we'll go through our lineups and all that a bit in a, maybe five or so minutes or something like that. But yeah, there's um Andrew's hundredth game in charge of Celtic, competitive match. So we'll just quickly go around go around the screen here. We'll start with you there, John. And um how how do you think Ange has improved Celtic from when he took over? Oh it's in, entirely and completely. I think we were and this is obviously we've spoken this a lot. We were in a really bad place. Um and you look always going to be the legend that he is, but Lenny did not have us playing great football. Um, and then him, the the turnaround since Ange from de- pretty much almost immediately um, that, that all that type of football, the Celtic way, right? That's the, that, the, all the football that we really enjoy watching. Um, so he, it's he, his whole philosophy and methodology has been brilliant. Um, and he's, he's, I can really see if we can just keep this trajectory, we could be, a competitive European team. And I really do believe that. We've just got to keep Ange where he is. He's got to keep up the um, momentum that we're building. Um, 
and just and just keep doing what he's doing with the player acquisition stuff and and we'll all be competitive I, and, and and I mean that I really do mean that so it's it's great to see it's we all had our doubts with him with when he came in um mostly because for most of us we didn't know who he was obviously you guys the Aussies and all that stuff knew who exactly who he was and had no doubt whatsoever um and that just very much ties into what we we're talking about before about these sort of quote-unquote untapped markets you know Australian football might be one of them having one of the best Australian managers um at Soic we could we obviously need to pay attention to outside of the top 10 leagues and, and Europe basically and um so yeah I I think I think Ange's been uh dramatic for us um a lot of people are talking about how he might have Celtic playing the best football we've seen in the 21st century and I think that's a very 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 tight race between himself and Rodgers um and I guess that's going to come down to accolades at the end of the day so um he could potentially be one of our best managers I think for me I look at it and go as the Australians we knew what he was about and my biggest doubt him coming in was, was he going to be given the time he needed to implement his structure and was he going to be backed by the board? And not only has he come in, because having worked within Salary Cap League, he's come in, he's bought on the cheap, he's bought quality and built depth at the squad. So we've got two for each position and he's got us playing the Celtic way, the way we, we, what we grew up watching and wanting the team to play. And... It's it's funny to see like how far we've improved to how quickly, but having seen Ange's teams, like he did the same at South Melbourne back in '96 through to '98 or whatever or '99, he did it at Brisbane Raw, he did it with the Australian national team, did it in Japan. Now he's done it in Scotland. It was always going to happen if he was given the time and allowed to implement his plan. So it's great to see this has happened and we're hitting that hundred game mark when. The only reason we're bringing this up is because after the first four people, the first, um, what's it called, the first four games, six games or whatever, where we went three three and three or whatever, we lost three games, people were talking about, oh, he'll be lucky to see out 10 games. Mm. Here we Gone are. by Halloween. That's what a lot of people were saying. Yep. So, Liam, I'm going to go to you and Shane with the next comment. The next thing I've got to go is, how has Ange impressed you the most during his time at the club? Right. I would say that I love the way he handles the media. Absolutely love it. Um, No nonsense. Does not suffer fools gladly. And best of all, and I've said this before, but I'll clean it up this time. Let's just say his rather creative use of the word mate when we know what he actually means. Yeah. That's a very Australian thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's brilliant. Absolutely you know, you brilliant. Know, you, can get, you can get called all the other slurs, but if you get called champion or mate, you are in trouble. Oh, yeah. No worries, <laughs> champ. Oh. No, no worries, champ. <laughs> oh, my God. What have I done? Yeah, in Australia, it's like, no worries, champ. That's pretty much equivalent. You make car park now. Let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Square go. Absolutely. <laughs> but Shane, what's impressed you? It's actually something you touched on, Jared, in your comment before. What impressed me the most, and there's a number of things really that I could run with here, but what impressed me the most was how Ange was able to make uh, or 
have us win the league in his first season. That That's what impressed me the most, the fact that he was able to come in. We were at a pretty low ebb. Uh, he was... He wouldn't have shown it, but he was under pressure himself. People were basically saying, who is this? What is going on here? And he came in from day dot and set the standards, but it was still, there was a lot to overcome. And and after those six matches, those comments were obviously flying about that he wouldn't last and, you know, he wasn't ready. And yet we were able to go on and win the league that season. And as you and I are familiar with from Australia and obviously Liam from his time in Japan, you know, Ange coming in in season one, it doesn't always mean that success straight away. There are building blocks. Um, you don't really get that time at Celtic, you know. You you have to come in and you're expected to be successful. It's expected that you're going to be in the title race and you're going to be pushing for Europe. And he had to deliver very quickly and, and he did. And he did uh, and exceeded, I think, everyone's wildest expectations. I know we joke and, and tell people that, yes, oh, he did well and we saw it coming, but... For him to do that so quickly and to play the Celtic way, uh, to take us from where we were at the end of the Lenny season to where we are now, that's impressed me the most. Got some comments here. So Angelo Tyro, can't believe Ange did this so quick. It always took longer at other clubs. I thought it would be more uh, we'd be trying to win the title in the second season. But the fact that we did it so quickly last season was great. Um, another comment here is there are 14 variations of mate and Ange knows all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. Edward Wire of Oz, Ange dictates the media, not the other way around. And then Michael exactly. Ross on the same thing is the way Ange deals with the media is a joy to watch. So what I've done is I've got a story here looking back at Ange Postacoglu's best Celtic quotes. <laughs> so... We'll go through a few of them just for, you know, shits and giggles is the official term over here. So but one of his first ones was, I'm assuming you're saying that I've worked at a lower level or something. Um, I guess that's a matter of opinion. I've coached at a World Cup. I love the way he shut down that in one of his first presses. Then when asked... What he knew about Hearts, which is apt because of who we're playing tonight. We're still on the same planet, mate. I haven't come from outer space. You'd be surprised how much I know about Hearts. It's a great use of mate in that one. <laughs> one of my favourites. I'm not an accountant, mate. I'm a football manager. Um, I'm talking about the Japanese guys and... Yeah, off the mark. Well, if you could understand the locals in Scotland when the three Japanese guys, he goes, "Not really. I'm okay. I feel sorry for the Japanese boys. They worked really hard to learn English before they got here and found it doesn't help them at all." <laughs> that may be my favourite. <laughs> Kenny McIntyre and Ange have had some good run-ins, <laughs> yes. but there was one where. Celtic 2-0 win against St Mirren where McIntyre put it to Ange that it was a hard watch last season. Ange's response, it depends on what you're looking for. Maybe you're disappointed with the way it went, mate. I'm not really sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) And then this time after Celtic's 4-1 route against Hearts, McIntyre asked him if he had a preference as to when Celtic would clinch the title to dethrone 
the bitter rivals Sevco. Postacogli joked, "Is only you could make winning a championship feel like a downer." No, mate. Anyway, it comes. Thank you. It's <laughs> uh, so doozies, yeah. Sacked by Christmas barbs. Mm. So going into it, there wasn't a huge deal of expectations in terms of success, whether it was because of me and my own background or because of the ground we had, we needed to make up. People just recognised the challenge we had and how we've embraced that challenge. I take great pride in it. But like I said on the night, I didn't get this. I didn't get the one I was favourite for, sacked by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I love the way he just deals with them, just big blunt like that. So there's a couple more there, but I'll stop there because we, we could go on with Ange quotes for the next hour quite. <laughs> for sure. Sure could. RL77, yes, I love you. I love it. Well done. Put some good sharing. <laughs> No, that's a face painter. They've no page yet. <laughs> Enzo Tyra, I don't drive a bus, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got them. And then there's a few Ange facts that I found as well that I thought I'd bring to the table. So in so Ange was named South Melbourne's Team of the Century by fans at an expert panel in what position, Shane? Oh, I can't remember if it was left. I think it's either left back or right back. I'm going right back. Johnny? I don't even have a clue. I thought he was, I thought he was defender. Center mid. <laughs> <laughs> defender. Something different. All <laughs> the decisiveness of your answer there, Johnny. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go for back because I have no idea. I'll say center back. It was left back. Left. Oh. <laughs> That was my position. Left back in the changing room. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Ange Postacoglu represented Australia at senior level between 1986 and 1988, as well as representing Australia's youth level in 1985. How many times did he play for Australia at senior level? We'll go to you first, John. How many times did he play at senior level for Australia? Ah, oh, 22 times. Shane? Are you talking Socceroos? Yeah. 15. Okay. Liam? I'll say 18. I'll shoot in the middle. I reckon we're all miles off. Four. Four. Jesus. I knew it was low. Yeah. See, if you just wait, they'll give it to you in the, in the comments. <laughs> 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 Andrew gained the head coaching position at South Melbourne in 1996 following the firing of... Which manager? Oh, Pushkas was there. Big name over that here, time. But it's not Pushkas. Big name over here. Big name over here. Frank Rock was the guy. Oh, wow. Manager. I didn't think they'd sack Pushkas. I was like, I, I just don't want to go with that answer. Just a normal fact, no question. This Ange Postacoglu is the only person who have been involved in all four of South Melbourne's NSL title-winning teams. The first two as a player, the latter two as a coach. Hmm. Ange Postacoglu was appointed head coach of Australian national team in October 2013 on a five-year contract replacing which former soccer is manager? We'll come to you last, Shane. Liam, oh. any idea? 
If not, just make up something funny and it's not Mr. Blobby. Right. <laughs> so re- repeat the question again. <laughs> what, what was the question? Mr. Blobby. Who did, who did Andrew replace <laughs> as soccer is coach? Uh, right. uh, whoever the head screw was in prison, I've, had, I've no idea. Johnny, <laughs> <laughs> got any idea? <laughs> I ain't got a clue, honestly. I, I wish I was. Jane, you know uh, Holger Osik. Yep, correct. And Didn't the he last want one... to manage Japan? Osic. I think he was. He was Japan. manager of Canada. He was in charge of Canada before he did Australia. Um, right. But I don't I don't know what he did after Australia. We got sacked after. We lost two friendlies 6-0 back-to-back and he got the boot for Ange. Right. I think he might have. Or so, someone with a similar sounding name was a Japan manager about 15 years ago. But anyway. All right. Last one here for you. Ange Postacoglu is married to Georgia, who worked at South Melbourne when he served as a club manager. What was her job at South Melbourne? Johnny. Lunch lady. Oh, I stole my answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to say club club administration role. Liam, um, I'll I'll say part of the commercial marketing department. Yeah, she was a marketing manager at the club. Ooh, there, we we'll... <laughs> there we go. We'll leave that there. Just a bit of you know fun loving on Ange because you know hundred games are coming up tonight. So uh, yep. yeah. So what? Any changes you expect in tonight, boys? Because I I'm honestly <laughs> thinking we're going to see some changes for Hearts in the game. <laughs> I'm just laughing because of last week when I said we'd make about four or five changes and he named an unchanged lineup at St. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, I think we'll we'll still go out. I think there might be two or three changes. That's about it for me. But uh, I'd like to see Kobayashi and Awada play a bit more tonight. And yeah, then maybe one other, maybe Kyogo will get a get a breather. Maybe not, but yeah, I wouldn't expect too many, but I think Hearts will be the one throwing the, the wholesale changes because they're not going to rein in us and, and Sevco in the league. So realistically, the home game for them on, on Saturday at Tynecastle in the Scottish Cup, they're going to throw the full-strength team at that to try and get through and try and win some sort of trophy. That's my opinion. So I'm thinking our starting lineup will be you have Harding goals, the usual... I think it'll probably be the usual suspects with Starfelt in, but I think probably Starfelt might come out. Kobayashi, I'd like to see him get a game. And then, yeah, I think I'd love to see Kelmack given a, given a night off. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, Angelo in the comments over Riley might start this one. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out, but I wouldn't expect too much. What do you think, John? Um, I, I also think there'll be no changes at all. I think what we'll probably see is... O'Reilly and Obada being the first of the subs. Um, and I think probably Maeda and Moy to be the first to come off. Um, I think Hearts, the Hearts are a good side. They're playing well. They're, you know, I think they've dropped form a little bit recently, but they're, they're sitting third. Um, so they're going to come. I mean, Tango, uh, well, Stoke Park, sorry, but uh, Hearts are no mugs, right? So they're, they're going to come out with everything they've got, which means the game's going to be quite open. Um, so I think we're going to have our wingers looking at running into space and stuff. So we want, we want, you know, our direct passing and all that stuff um, to be very effective. 
So I, I just think we're going to be playing our full. I don't think there's going to be much changes. Full, full strength team, um, and that will be the current informed team we've got playing at St Mirren. So um, yeah, we might see, like I say, Abad O'Reilly being the first of our subs, but I don't think we're going to see any changes personally. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the yeah, the game. The game is is an important one. Looking ahead to the weekend, it's an important mental one. If we can give them an absolute thrashing tonight that is going to leave them broken when they play us on Saturday or, or Sunday or whenever it is. Um, so I really think that it's important we throw down a marker by giving them an absolute doing tonight. So, I, yeah, full strength team, I believe. And Shane, how many goals is Haxabinovich going to get this week? <laughs> uh, Bryce, I, but I think he'll definitely get a start. I can see Haxabinovich coming in. Um I can definitely see a case for Abada coming in as well, but I actually think Ange will keep him off the bench still. Uh, I think what he provides off the bench is is just excellent at the moment. I, I think Ange is going to keep that going, irrespective of giving him a start. The changes I would see, I see Haksabanovic coming in, I see O'Reilly coming in for Moy, and uh, possibly Ralston at right back for Johnston. Um, I'm not sure about the wholesale changes for them. Um they, they're only five points ahead of Hibs now in the league. That gap's closed really quickly. Um, so, you know, if they were to lose and Hibs were to pick up three points against Sevco, that closes to two. So they'll, I think they'll be trying their best to get a result um, against us. And, um, you know, it's not just me saying this, but I've seen other Hearts fans mention this. Whenever they sort of come to Celtic Park, we're used to them having a dip at us when we play them at Tynecastle, but when they come to Celtic Park, they don't really have the same kind of mindset. They tend to sit a bit deeper and try and ride it out. So I can sort of see them doing the same thing again, uh, uh, you know, tomorrow morning, our time. Okay, so the usual question I always have with we finish off with is, who's going to be the first scorer? What's going to be the final score prediction? And we normally also talk about any matchups to watch out for. The only matchup I want to, I'm looking out for, and it's funny, is I want to see Robbie Nelson's bitching and moaning in the post-game presser after we give him a doing, and how Andrew responds to that. That's the matchup I want to see if he's trying to like, especially leading into the weekend. Because yeah, I don't think he'll um he'll be too nice about it. First scorer for us, um, I'm gonna go with Jota. And we're going to win three three nil. Johnny, um, I, I, I think Kurgo is going to be the first scorer. I think that's a lot of our um, goal seems to be coming from him at the moment. So you know, very direct towards uh, our front man. So I think Kurgo will be the, f- the first scorer. Um, I think I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I think all of our home games have been bar no, maybe not. I think most of them have been clean sheets, right? So uh, I, I don't think Hearts will get a, uh, a goal. So I'm going to say 2-0 because um, I think it's probably going to be a tough game. But I might... I, it's a hard one. To, it's a hard one to call because Hearts are dipping in form, but they're still sitting third. So, yeah, I'll say 2-0. Kyogo first. Match-up. I don't really think I've got a match-up per se. I think um, maybe Shankland might be the one, the player to watch for them. That's, yeah, probably how I feel about that. Liam? Maeda, 3-0. And Shane? Uh, O'Reilly and uh, also 3-0. And um, 
I'll be interested to see if uh, Grand Qual gets a run as well at Celtic Park for them. That ties into a comment I've been hanging on to for the last 44 minutes from Angelo Tyro. I'd like to see Taylor marking Qual. Oh, juicy. What's that mean? <laughs> That's a bit far for this type of podcast. 44 minutes ago, was, was, that, was that about the time that you mentioned the cum dog? Is that why he's putting juicy? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. I think that's a great way to uh, wrap the pod up. We'll get into our um, our final thoughts. So, um, But before we do that, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, you haven't already done so, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, so you get notified when all of our shows go live on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, if you're listening to this on the audio version on the podcast, please subscribe to the Soak Down Under podcast on all your podcast apps. We appreciate the, the growth and the support from each and every one of you. Johnny, final thought. Well, uh, unfortunately, it won't be a music one because I've been just listening to the same sort of stuff I always normally listen to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it'll be... It'll be a, it's going to be a podcast recommendation. Um, I quite like horror as a genre, and I've been listening to uh, a podcast called Darkest Night, which is kind of like a drama pod. It's like the old, the old, those old radio shows. Um, so it's like it's not necessarily just us, right? It's not us all talking away. It's more like a show, right? It's like just an audio show, um, but it's entirely horror. So if you like that sort of stuff, it is ex- especially creepy proper creepy like pulling eyeballs out and stuff and blah, blah. but it's good it's very entertaining but so if you like that sort of stuff give it a listen darkest night shane uh tom rogic watch for me um unfortunately he seems to have fallen out of favor at west brom and he's not even making the match day squads at the moment sadly so um uh tommy if you're watching i know you are um <laughs> Get um get back up the road, mate. And uh, or if you're not going to go back up the road, uh, get on the plane and come to Melbourne Victory. One of the two, please. Sean's got a final thought in the comment because he's not on tonight. John likes Cliff Richard's music. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Liam, you got a final thought? Um. Well, something that I was going to say earlier, but unfortunately my internet provider decided I wasn't allowed to. Um, A person's person's, uh, identity, be it nationality, gender, race, religion, is no one's business but their own. Spawn. Yep. Fair dues. My... Final thought is going to be the most ridiculous thing ever. If you're taking your dog for a walk and it shits in your front, someone's front yard, please pick it up. Like, come on, man. My neighbor's dog the other day, I went out the front and yeah, not, not pleasant. Anyway, only reason I brought that up. Yard. Show what it feels like. <laughs> now, the only reason that that popped in on my head is because I can hear that dog barking for the last 20 minutes and I'm like, not going to publicly shame this prick. So there you go. Clean up after your dogs, you dirty rotten bastards. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hail, hail, and we'll talk to you next week. Hail, hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail.